Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Enterprising Gen Z podcast hosted by me, Sam Watson. Um, As part of the launch, we've launched three brand new podcasts with three incredible guests. Um, So please make sure to give that a listen. Um, On today's show, we have Sina Sadzare, the head of growth at MyNFT. And we're going to be talking about what NFTs actually are, the future of NFTs and how you guys at home can get involved. Um, So yeah, I hope you enjoy. So me and you know each other quite well. Um, so it's probably a good idea that you introduce yourself a bit more and talk about your role in my NFT. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we've known each other for quite a while now um, through through Wing, obviously. But yeah, I've just taken up this new role um, within this amazing new company called My NFT, who is aiming to completely change the way that people buy and sell NFTs um, right now. Because there's a lot of problems that exist that obviously we're going to go into um, probably when it comes to buying and selling NFTs, but um, yeah, so that these guys sprung up because of those problems, and the guys that are in the team have been around in, in the crypto space for for a long, long time. They've been around since like 2012, some of them. So they've been around for ages. So they know the space extremely well. So when they came with this offer of you know helping build that this marketplace, um, I couldn't really say no. So I've come in as their head of growth. So trying to get people onto the platform, using the platform, kind of educating them on what NFTs are. Um, and yeah, so I've, I've been doing it now for this, is my second week working for them. And it's extremely exciting. Like the the sort of stuff that, that's being built behind the scenes, obviously I can't talk about some, all, all of the stuff, but I can talk about some of the stuff. And But it is, it's extremely exciting. It's, it's a great opportunity to be a part of something that I think will be huge, not just from the company standpoint, but also from the, NFT space as a whole. Um, there's a lot of use cases going way beyond art space. The art space is what's, what's currently only being talked about um, that both my NFT and other sort of companies can definitely plug into um, to you know invigorate mass adoption in this space because I think the, the, the technology is, is massively game-changing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be honest, I don't 100% understand NFTs. Um, if you could give me a bit of an explanation on, you know, what they are, what they're used yeah. for, that'd be great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it's a very fair question. It's in the news a lot. Like what, what like NFTs they are in the news so, so much. And the reason why they're in the news is probably why a lot of people don't understand them. So they're in the news a lot because, um, you know, there's, there's pieces of artwork that are out there. That's, that's currently what the, the NFT technology is, is being used for predominantly. And, you know, pieces of artwork are being sold for sometimes millions and millions of dollars. And that's what makes the, you know, the breaking news, like the, the Bored Ape ones and then other sort of NFT projects. And so people, when they read those news, kind of like from the headlines, it gives them a very sort of weird perception of what NFTs are. They're just like, well, they're just digital artworks. They're just like monkeys and apes and stuff. It's like, why are people paying so much money for them? And I don't, like, it's a very fair question. So I guess in answer to your question, what is an NFT? Um, it's not just digital artwork, which is what a lot of people think they are. The NFT technology is basically um, a new way, in my eyes, it's a new way to record ownership um, of assets. So obviously artwork is an asset and yeah. this is a new way of defining ownership with people and and obviously because it's a, it's a new space, like people are kind of like 
flooding money in and kind of like making a lot of money in the process as well. Like you were mentioned before you hit record, like you have a lot of friends who have made, you know, loads of money on this. And yeah, one of my, one of my mates is uh, about to just buy, or think of buying a new Mercedes. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but I mean the, a lot of people have kind of made this a similar comparison from like this to the dot com bubble, um, which is like probably a bit before you were born or like by or the, the same year or something. But that was the same sort of process where like people were buying up like domain names and then like, uh, just like it was, it was a big sort of bubble within the tech space. And people are kind of like comparing it to this where a lot of the projects in that first bubble, you know, like maybe 90% of the, 90% of the, the projects f- like flunked um, when the bubble burst. And you can say a similar thing, I think what will happen Obviously, this isn't financial advice, or whatever. This is kind of like what I'm just thinking from other uh, financial bubbles in the past. Is that I think a similar thing will happen in this space, where a lot of these artwork projects will just go to zero. Some of them will survive, obviously, because artwork is, is still pretty cool. And then from there, you'll get like a phoenix rising of um, really, really solid use, use cases for NFTs as a whole. And that's where I see like mass adoption, you know, ma- you know crazy new ways of doing things, mm-hmm. um, solving problems that haven't been able to be solved before um, just because this new blockchain te- technology has come up. And so that's the space of the of NFTs that I find most exciting. I, I personally haven't even touched the artwork. I haven't bought or sold any NFTs, which some people find a bit surprising, but it's not a space that excites me. What excites me and the reason why I'm in the company is the long-term use cases um, that that can be like revolutionary. So you speak about you know use cases in the future. If you could kind of sum it up, because I know it's probably quite quite a, a long question to answer. Mm. But what do you think is the future of NFTs? It's just like think of any asset in the world, both physical and digital. You can make that into an NFT. And like, I'll give you a few examples, just kind of like you, so you and your, your listeners can kind of like visualize it, but that's how like overarching the technology can be. It can, it can literally touch every single asset. So one, I'll, I'll speak about, I guess, one, uh, digital one. Um, and then I'll speak of one, like there's, there's basically two types of entities I see kind of in the long term is one completely just, just like digital standalone. And there's, there's the second one, which is digital physical hybrids. Um, the digital physical hybrids haven't really been explored at all re- um, in in like this sort of like in this market. Um, but that's where I see like really exciting stuff happening. But I'll talk about the digital space first, and then I'll, I'll bring up an example of the hybrid ones. So the digital ones, um, it's stuff around obviously artwork um, is a big one. And it, it can go for any sort of like digital assets from there. Like domain names is a good example as well. Like buying, buying and selling domain names on the blockchain, kind of recording who owns that blockchain. Uh, sorry, who owns that domain name? Because right now a big problem that exists in that space is like there isn't much transparency around who owns a certain domain name. So when a new company comes up and they want to buy that domain name, they have to go through a lot of third parties in order to actually negotiate that sale. Whereas if it's recorded on the blockchain, you can go directly to that person, give them an offer and then buy it. Um, so it's very, very easy. And you can kind of see how much they bought it for before. So it's like total transparency, whereas now you don't get that at all. Um, so that's like a good example of like a digital only thing that can be like a, a use case that can like NFTs can really help with. Um, what I really excited, am excited by is the hybrids though. 
So think of like, I know you probably enjoy like music and going to like events like that. It's very easy. It's very easy for those tickets to be sold as NFTs. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of problems that exist within the ticketing space when it comes to events. And the big problem that um, I would say exists is um, sec- like secondary market sales. So like when you want to buy a ticket, right? Um, and like, say if it's like a big artist, like, I don't know, like Kanye West, he puts it, he puts his tickets online. The chance of you actually buying that ticket is so low because all these bots are just like buying them instantly. And the reason why they buy them is because they can sell them on the secondary market via like via Gogo or StubHub for like three times or four times the price. And they can just like make a lot of money out of it. And it's just like, it's the most awful thing in the industry. Like artists hate it. The actual listeners of the actual fans of that artist hate it as well. Cause they have to pay like hugely overinflated prices. So something that they can do is instead of like just putting them out as like tickets and digital products like that, they could actually do it on as an NFT. And the good thing about NFTs is because is that you can define like contracts within that sale. So, um, so Kanye West could say this ticket, the maximum price anyone can buy it for is a hundred and like $110. You can't go above that. It's that that's like how that's the maximum. And because it's on the blockchain, it's like a universal thing. It's not like someone can like just take a photo of that QR code and give it to someone else. It's like a universal thing. So they can't physically sell it for more than 110. It's impossible. Mm. So that's like a really cool use case right there. And also if someone did actually sell it for more, if someone did actually like buy it for 70, then sell it for 110, Kanye West wouldn't lose out on that sale. He would actually make a, he could, he could theoretically, he could build this into the contract as well. He could make 10% of that sale on the secondary market. So obviously like he's a big artist, so he doesn't really need the money, but for smaller artists, it could be really beneficial for them. Like my cousin's in a band and he would love something like that where, you know, he could keep making sales even though, so say if he listed his tickets and people would buy and sell them for more than he actually put them for, he's like, oh shit, I'm like, I swore there, sorry about that. It's all right, I'll I'll bleep it. (laughs) He's like losing money, right? So if he could make a proportion of the secondary sales, then he could, you know, it's a much, it's a much fairer price for what he's selling, you see? And that doesn't just go for music, it goes for any sort of tickets that you imagine, stand-up comedy, um, theatre tickets, like pretty much everything can be an NFT. And also like following on from that, the artist can um, promote things to people that own that NFT. Um, so they can promote like exclusive content to that one person or they can promote like, um, I don't know if they do something else in the future, they can like promote like an exclusive link to them so they can buy tickets first and stuff like that. And these, these sort of things haven't really been done before at scale. Um, so this sort of technology would give companies and artists the tool to be able to, to do, to do stuff like that. Um, so that's like a pretty exciting one. Another exciting one is like in the retail space that I find pretty exciting. So like gym memberships can be NFTs. So, um, people can like, if obviously if the gym lets them, but they can like, uh, they can rent out their gym membership to, to other people if they don't, if they're not using them or they can, um, so they can actually make money from, from the NFTs. Whereas right now it's like, you can't really do that. There's no marketplace that exists for something like that because it's really difficult to track for exclusive like golf clubs and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people buy the golf memberships and they're allowed to sell them, but there's no sort of like platform where they can sell them on. And also the, the golf club would lose out on um, like 
like revenue on the secondary sale. Whereas an NFT would have the contract saying like 10% of every sale will go back to the golf club. And then like people can buy and sell very easily with like very little fees. So like there's just, there's so many different types of use cases, especially in the physical space. Um, like say if a company wants to raise money for, for building something, a gym, so say if they want to raise a hundred, a hundred thousand pounds to like build the gym and then fill it with equipment, they could list a, a thousand NFTs for like, I don't know, thousand pounds each saying, if you buy this in six months time, you'll get free gym membership for life. Um, and then people are like, oh, cool, I'll buy it. So right now the gym has the capital to build the gym in six months time. That person can go to the gym for free with that NFT is like proof of supporting that gym in the first place. And then if they don't want to go to the gym, they can sell the NFT on the secondary market to someone else. Um, and then they can go to the gym. And then that person who like firstly backed the gym could make some money out of it. So there's a lot of cool things that you can do with it. Basically. Um, my NFT would be the platform where you can buy and sell NFTs like this. Um, but I imagine a lot of new companies will spring up exclusively for different use cases that operate in this space, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And you, you speak about all these, um, all these cool use cases for NFTs and stuff, and you speak about the future of NFTs. How soon do you think that is? Do you think that's in the next 10, 15, 20 years? How soon do you think, I think this stuff probably, will happen? Well, it's obviously like phases to things like this with like technologies. Um, I think with certain use cases, they could be with us within the next sort of like two, three years. Um, I think the ticketing thing, could probably be us with us like fairly soon um it's it the the turning point for me is when people will buy and sell nfts without even realizing that they're nfts that's the exciting point for me so like tickets would be a prime example of that because people would like buy a ticket to the theater use a qr code to get in and they don't even realize that it's an nft but it's like on the blockchain it's from their wallet like the virtual wallet and so those are the things that I think would really turn like the world to mass adoption um, when people don't even realize what NFTs are. And like, there are things that startups can do to help with this mass adoption. So obviously they can make things. Um, so something that we're doing at my NFT is that you can actually buy NFTs with, um, with pounds and dollars. So you can buy it with fiat currency, which right now, is very very scarce you can't really do that anywhere else like OpenSea, for instance you have to buy it with ethereum which is you know it, it makes up all these different steps that you have to actually like buy one so you have to like make a wallet you have to um you have to actually buy the ethereum and you have to like, actually, like get, put your money in exchange you have to do like kyc stuff so there's like a lot of steps that are involved if you can buy it with like PayPal, which is what we're doing, then that already eliminates a lot of steps. And then obviously like there's a lot of other steps that you can eliminate to get to a point where people are buying and selling them without even knowing that they're buying and selling them. So is my NFT, basically you're making NFTs accessible for everyone. That's the, that's the reason why um, Hugo and the rest of the team. So Hugo is the, the, one of the co-founders, they started my NFT is because to, they, they started to make NFTs accessible to everyone. Um, right now there's a very, I think honestly, the, the numbers are pretty insane. Even though it's in the news a lot, there's only like a couple million people in the world that actually own an NFT. Like a couple million people is not that many people. If you actually think about it, like there's like 7 billion people in the world and it's in the news a ton, right? So if it's like only 2 million people or like 3 million people own one and you can like Google it and find out how many I might be, 
I might be a, a bit wrong by a, a couple million, but I know that like, it's definitely less than I think like 50 million for sure. Um, compare that to like other assets, it's, it's pretty crazy, right? So that's the reason why they started this is to make it accessible to everyone. Um, because there's, there's obviously like with any sort of technology, there's the core sort of early adopters who will do pretty much anything to buy an NFT. But then if you think about it, um, there's like a funnel of people. So there's, there's like people on the edge that know what they are, but they, they don't want to buy them because they don't really see a use case. And there's other people that don't want to buy them because they want to like buy Ethereum. And there's other people that can't afford it because the gas prices are so high when it comes to buying and selling them. So yeah, there's a lot of barriers that exist that eliminate a lot of potential buyers, basically. What advice would you give on kind of people my age on um, how to get into NFTs at kind of our age? I think just like follow the space, just become educated in the space because like, as I said before, I'm not going to give financial advice on like where to buy. Like my, I don't even buy, I haven't bought any NFTs myself. So like, I'm not even in the right position to, to tell you about which artworks to buy. And right now, like primarily it's only artworks that you can buy. What I would say is that you should be extremely careful because I see, I do see a lot of these projects going to zero. Um, so be careful with it. Obviously, like do your own research and stuff. But I think if you can just do research on the wider NFT space, so the assets that can come up from it and stuff like that, and there's sort of like the different use cases, then you can get involved in some pr- like really cool alternative projects outside of art very early. And that might be a really cool space to go into. Um, I think art is like almost at its peak now. So I don't really see it going anymore um, until the bubble bursts and the kind of like stuff comes back up again. Um, so that's kind of what I would say. Uh, and then also, if you really want to get into NFTs, you could start your own company. I know it's like a bit weird me saying that when I'm working for an NFT company, but you could start your own company focusing specifically on one of these use cases, either starting your own one or working for one. Having this knowledge is definitely good because I see this technology touching so many different industries so if you educate yourself even if you don't invest in it um like with money but if you invest your time in it and become educated in it it would definitely definitely help you in whatever career that you go in for sure um so this is slightly different not really related to nfts we've worked together on on wing um which is digital digital networking kind of tools and softwares um and you were one of the co-founders and I joined about six months ago. Um, what advice would you give for a young to a young entrepreneur who's looking to start their own business? They've got that idea. They've got the drive to succeed. What advice would you give them? Yeah, it's a good question. It's probably like one of the most common questions I get asked. I do a lot of, like because of my podcast, I focus with um, my podcast. I started it because... Uh, I didn't see many podcasts focusing on young entrepreneurship and like now you're starting one as well, which is pretty cool. But like when I started it, there was no real um, other ones focusing just on young entrepreneurship. And the reason why, yeah, the reason why I started is to give a very clear view to young entrepreneurs, what entrepreneurship is and how to start businesses and stuff like that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm like almost 24 years old. So like I'm, I'm still like fairly young, I'd say in the space, but um how to how in answer, in answer to your question, uh, I would say kind of like very, very like in like a summary, is to really focus on problems that exist in the world. That's probably like a very generic thing. Like a lot of people must say that, but 
focus on problems firstly. So that's the general, general piece of advice. But the piece of advice that probably a lot of people don't tell you is to do things manually. So don't don't worry about doing things manually. I know like people get scared about doing things manually. And by, and by that, I mean like getting your first sales and like doing your, your first sort of like first, um, putting your MVP out there, testing things out. Um, it obviously depends like if it's a software or it's a physical product or whatever, but test things very, very cheaply, do things manually. Um, and then find out kind of how to scale it from there. Once you get traction, a big mistake I made for my first business was I built, um, I built the software for my business. I spent about 4,000 pounds building this piece of software without actually having anyone to test it before and like realized what the problem actually was. And so I wasted a lot of money building a platform that no one actually used. And all the sales that we got were actually from me speaking to, so this wasn't for wing, this was for my previous business, I was actually speaking to a potential um, like clients and stuff and actually coordinating things through WhatsApp rather than actually like using my own software that I built. So WhatsApp was actually more effective I could like message people um, in in testing our in testing the business rather than the, the software that we built. What I should have done is use use WhatsApp messaging people, um, coordinating deliveries of food, which is what the what the business was, uh, and then from there scale that up through softwares to automate things um, that that I couldn't do if if you know the client list got got really big. So what I would say is don't worry about being manual and like not making much money and like not being scalable being doing things manually is so important to testing it, testing what the problem is, testing like whether people would buy it and stuff like that. Um, rather than like building things like build, like spending a lot of money to build things really, really fast and then not really testing it out because you're wasting a lot of money and time. Um, so that's what I would say. And I took that, I definitely took that advice for wing because, um, I started wing for like very little money. It's completely bootstrapped. I started for maybe like 200 pounds. And the, the way I started it was I got, um, a NFC chip and like got a card and then the software that we used was like this third party software that I just like similar to Linktree, Um, and people, and then I just like basically tapped it on someone else's phone, uh, just like took a video of it, put it on Instagram and people were like literally like, messaging me begging to buy so we got our first like 20 customers through instagram just like messaging me like me giving them our paypal that's literally how we got our first sales without even having a website with it without even having our own software um just from like instagram and i'm not the only one that's done that like i know so many people that have got sales from instagram just like dms without even having a website it's pretty crazy um so then went from from there i would send them like a google form to fill out their like information like fill out what what they want the photo to be what they want the links to be and then i'd manually make every single profile myself and then send it out um until a point where i realized that people like this and then you know we automated it with softwares and stuff like that and built a team so yeah that's the advice i would give basically all right well thank you so much cena for coming on uh, it's been a pleasure and an honor to have you on the first episode of enterprising gen z if any young entrepreneurs you know they want advice or anything what's the best way to find you or contact you yeah, really good to be on, Sam. Thank you so much for inviting me. The best way, I guess, would be to find me on LinkedIn. Um, it's just like my full name. Uh, and then if you want to hear about like, other young entrepreneurs and you um, 
you want to like obviously listen to Sam's podcast and you might be interested in my one as well. We we've got like the likes of Forbes 30 and 30 entrepreneurs, the youngest ever person that got investment on Dragon's Den, some other really cool people like TEDx speakers. Uh, we're like episode number 80 in, we've like been going for like two years. So if, yeah, it's quite a long one. If you are interested in like hearing the stories of young entrepreneurs, then um, definitely do check it out. It's called The Millennial Entrepreneur. And we're starting up in March. So by the time this goes out there, um, you might have to wait a, a bit, but it will definitely be there. Um, and then also if you're interested in NFTs, then yeah, definitely do keep in contact with my NFT. You can go on the website and like, um, I think you can sign up to a waiting list or like give your email. So the, the, I can't say when the launch is, but it is very soon. Um, it will be like sooner than people think. So if you just put your email, then we'll email you like when it's launched and you can be like one of the first people to buy an NFT with, uh, PayPal, which is, which is very exciting. Like it's something that the team's been working extremely hard to implement. Um, and it's, it has been extremely difficult. Like they were telling me some of the problems that existed with doing stuff like that. And it's, it seems like almost impossible. I don't know how they pulled it off, but, um, yeah. So those, those are basically the best ways to stay in contact with what I'm doing. Oh, also like wing as well. You can check out our website. It's like a brand new website now, wingcard.io. And yeah, that's pretty much it. We make contactless sort of like, yeah, NFC powered business networking solutions. So you never have to own a paper business card ever again. And it's a pretty cool first impression if you get one. All right. So, you know, I think that just about wraps up for today. Um, but thank you so much for being the first guest on the EGZ podcast. Um, it's been super interesting. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. And thank you as well to you guys for listening from home. Um, and if you could leave us a five-star review, wherever you're listening from, it genuinely helps us grow the podcast so much. And also if you want to check out the other podcasts we've released as part of the launch. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week with another episode.